Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good afternoon and good evening to Dialight listeners. I am your host, Alex, as always. I don't know why I keep introducing myself, but you know what? Maybe if you're a new listener, this is the first time you've heard this show, welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, just a little bit of a side tangent before we get into tonight's topic, uh, and maybe not even tangent, maybe just a little bit of a, you know, what's going on here. Uh, if you're new to this, we are a show called Undying Light, and in this we uh, take ourselves through Scripture and break it down and make it uh, hopefully as easy to understand as possible. Now, it's there's complexities to it, and we don't always get the opportunity to um, you know work ourselves through some of the doctrines and things like that uh, yet, but we're going to get there. Uh, I have a lot of things planned for this show. And so, uh, you know, for the ongoing uh, existence of undying light. So stay tuned. We will be tackling lots and lots of that kind of stuff. But our biggest focus guys obviously is what does God's word say? How does it impact us? What is it doing to us? And what can I take from this? That is the entire premise to Undying Light. And in that, we are a listener-supported show. And so because of your generous uh, offering to the show, we continue to produce episodes on a weekly basis. And we have bonus episodes as uh, we I was able to partake in a recording for this coming Sunday for Reformation Day where I will have Thomas and uh, Chris from their respected shows. Thomas runs Redeemed Meditations and Chris is on Ezra Reads the Law. We had a joint episode for Reformation Sunday that will be dropping Sunday morning. And in all of that, I continue to produce weekly episodes and occasionally a bonus episode. I still have uh, the episode plan for Romans 10, nine locked away in my head. 
Uh, I, I don't know when I'll be able to get to a recording of that because my days are very, very busy right now. Uh, so that is why uh, the support that you guys give this show is so crucial to the longevity of the show. If we didn't have uh, any sort of you know patron or anything like that set up, I probably wouldn't be doing Undying Light today, honestly. I, I mean, I love the listening base that we have, but... Uh, I don't, I, I, sadly, I can't interact with all of you. I'd love to. I'd love to meet a lot of you who listen to this show on a regular basis. Uh, and, and through the patron uh, aspect, I can meet some of you. And I think that is amazing. I've been able, I've got 51 faithful patrons and I've been able to uh, just live life with them. And that has been a massive impact to, uh, to me and my walk. And in my ministry. So look, a dollar a month gets you access to everything. It's not about the money, but it does help take care of the show's cost. Uh, because I also take care of a matter of truth, which, by the way, we dropped an episode this past Monday. Anthony and I got on the mic last week and recorded and uh, produced an episode finally. And our goal is that once a month we will host a, uh, a show together and then he's going to do side shows through the month as he can. So very, very cool that that was able to happen. I'm very excited to uh, continue to produce content in many different avenues. Not only that, but on Instagram, if you follow me there, reformed underscore lifestyle, I am doing a whole walkthrough of the book of Ezra. And so we're going verse by verse, explaining each verse and uh, having a great conversation around that. So that's the that's the sales pitch for the show, I guess. Uh, come join us on Patreon. I'm serious. It's not, you know, it, it, it's not a, a hindrance. I don't set tiers or I don't make things uh, out of, you know, way out of control. I just look and I want people to... Uh, join us and benefit from the ministry from all of the things that I do all the things that I write and uh, just be edified by the content so that's it for that guys again we're going to continue with the shorter show um, my week this week has gotten really condensed uh, like boa constrictor condensed here um, tomorrow Wednesday and Thursday I have classes all day long uh, which normally don't have and so I have just for this week classes all day long uh, one of the days this week I might be traveling I have to write a sermon uh, I got family coming in town because we're doing the baptism of my son on Sunday and so I have a jam-packed week and so I'm recording this at 1130 at night on a Monday night to get it done polished and in your hands Friday morning so with that, I am only going to do chapter two in Esther today. I know last week I said I was going to try and do two and three, but based upon scheduling in my week, uh, I want to only roll this show for about 30 minutes or so, give or take. So we're going to only focus on chapter two. Chris from Ezra Reads the Law was gracious enough to again read Ezra chapter two for us. Uh, and, it, and I think he had offered his services through the whole book. There's only 10 chapters. So, uh, as the weeks come, I'm going to keep tagging him to keep sending me that stuff. So, uh, the language though, uh, is, is far easier in chapter two. There's not a lot of, you know, all these obscure names and things like that. There's a few, but there, I can work through them. 
Uh, and, and as I mentioned at the top of this series on Esther, I, I'm not a linguist. Uh, I, I have, for whatever reason, I, my tongue just doesn't function sometimes the way uh, I want it to. And so I, I stumble through some words that would otherwise probably be easy so when I have to come across uh, a hard piece of text in scripture, I listen to it over and over and over again to make sure I can pronounce it right. And even then I'm in the pulpit and I may mispronounce something that happens all the time. I, I think I did it this Sunday, actually, when I was reading through Genesis six and seven, I mispronounced a, a name and I was just like ah, face palm. So, all right, without further ado, I say that every week. I don't know why. I don't know why it's in my repertoire of language, of my vocabulary. But I am going to turn it over to Chris and have him read for us chapter 2. Esther, chapter 2. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the citadel, under custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them, and let the young woman who pleases the king, or rather, and let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. Now there was a Jew in Susa the citadel whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem along er, among the captives carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is, Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in custody of Hegai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Hegai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go in to King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under, under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women. When the young woman went in to the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem in custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go in to the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of, Ab of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, 
to go into the king. She asked for nothing except what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made, made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now, when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for that uh, time you've taken to read through these two chapters for us. I hope you can do it uh, going forward. So that I think is a kind of a neat thing that I, um, I, I just love having the privilege of doing is having other people jump on the show or read portions of text for me. That is a tremendous blessing for me. Uh, and hopefully for you as a listener to get you exposed to, uh, other people, especially like somebody like Chris, who's runs Ezra reads a law. So let's break, uh, down chapter two. Uh, as I mentioned last week, it's a bit longer of a chapter. It is, uh, 20, 23 verses long. Uh, so we have a couple segments in here. It looks like uh, 1 through 18 is a segment, and then uh, 19 through 23 is our other segment. So let's dig into this and see what some of these notes have to say. So in chapter 2, after these things, uh, this is for several years, Assasarius was engaged in a futile attempt to conquer Greece. His thoughts would not have been made on domestic affairs, such as his lack of a queen. As he remembered uh, Vashati, perhaps the king realized that Vashati had not been such a bad wife after all, and that his decision had been rash. Uh, in verse 2, we have uh, the young uh, virgins here. And uh, that's basically just a, a maiden in their teens who were sexually pure. A uh, little bit of a side note. We talked about it, I think, kind of briefly in the Song of Solomon. But generally, marriage was done uh, in, in this time period, this culture, very young age. Um, so it was not uncommon that, you know, people were married and having kids in their late teenage years. Uh as uh, you can call us a progressive generation or, you know, the last, I don't know, 50 or 60 years here in the United States and the West, we have uh, 
marriage seems to not happen. And I actually, I think I was reading something not too long ago that had pointed to people not marrying until like their mid thirties. And I, I laughed because I got married when I was 21. My wife was 19. Um, yeah, I'm 35 now we're still married. So 14 years of uh, wonderful marriage. So interesting little side tangent there. All right, so verse 3, Harlem, uh, this literature, the house of the women, where the king's wives and concubines were kept. Uh, no one had access to them except the king. The number of wives was a mark of wealth and power, as First Kings 11.3 uh, denotes too. Uh, the cosmetics, this is uh, bodily rubens, bodily treatments and beauty treatments and massages enhanced the natural beauty of these girls. Oils and perfumes were applied to soften sun-dried skin and to cleanse pores. Uh, eye painting in the shadows of dark red, black, and green were the most common in this time period. Uh, verse 4, who pleases the king? Uh, who is good in the king's eyes is what... Uh, is a kind of the phrase that this can be taken. It implies an irresistible attractiveness. Yet these young virgins had to please their king in other ways, as verse 14 will show us, uh, which would not have involved compromising uh, the compromisings of a faithful Judean woman. Uh, verse 5, this Jew, which is Hebrew term, refers to citizens of the provinces of Judah. Judeans obtained prominent positions of wealth and authority in many Medo-Persian cities. Mordecai may be uh, the Persian form of Marduk, a heathen god, and uh, Shemi and Kish, names found in the family of King Saul more than 500 years earlier, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, which uh, we might touch on some of that. I don't know yet. Obviously, you know who King Saul is, but well, some of the, the stuff from First and Second Samuel and that we might get into. I don't know yet. Side tangent again. Benjamite, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, like Saul, First uh, Samuel 9, uh, the tribe became part of the kingdom of uh, Judah, and that happened in First Kings 11. So verse 6, Mordecai's ancestors uh, had been carried away into exile. Um now, here again, I'm going to uh, probably not pronounce this right, even though Chris nailed it. Uh, uh, Jacona is a variant spelling of the Judean's king uh, Jeho Jehoiakim, who was exiled in 597 BC, along with the upper class of Judah, 2 Kings 24. It suggests that Mordecai may have had some prestige or nobility. Uh, the Hadash is uh, Hebrew for Myrtle, and Esther is the Persian name that comes from uh, Stara, meaning star, and it is associated with Ishtar, the Babylonian goddess of love, or the Canaanite goddess Ashtora. Uh, this is uh, more explicitly labeled in Exodus 34. Interestingly, Esther has a verbal root in Hebrew. Uh, S-T-R, which means to conceal. Jewish rabbis later associated her name with God's hindrance. I will surely hide Astar, my face, Deuteronomy 31.18. Uh, neither, and this is still in verse 7 here, neither she, uh, she had neither father nor mother. So the, her father's name was uh, Abahel, as verse 15 notes. But nothing is said 
uh, how she lost her parents or they came under her cousin's protection. A beautiful figure and lovely to look at is a beautiful form, good in appearance. Esther excelled in both her noble carriage and irresistible attractiveness. So uh, as the language paints, you know, very beautiful woman. Uh, this is not quite as uh, explicit as the Song of Solomon and how he describes his bride. But uh, nonetheless, we see that Esther is a very attractive and very prestige woman. Uh, verse 8 here, uh, Esther is not only in exile from her homeland, but also been taken captive by the king's men. She faced the prospect of being uh, dubly violated, both as a woman and as a Judean. She is forced to make the best of a bad situation. Uh, verse 9, the young women pleased him. Esther captivated uh, Haggy, the keeper of the royal Harlem, and her charm, or favor, uh, which is Hebrew for uh, chesed, is often used for God's steadfast love and carries ideas of covenantal loyalty and undeserved affection. Uh, Haggy showed some of these characteristics. Uh, the seven young women, <clears throat> or seven chosen young women, excuse me, specially selected companions of Esther for Esther's development, serving as royal ad adversary. Uh, advisors see tongue just kind of falls in on itself when i'm trying to read through stuff here uh, as verse 9 notes this best place uh haggy provided esther with the best apartment perhaps in close proximity to the king uh, an archaeological reconstruction of the royal harlem indicates that most bedrooms were small and that even a single occupant had little personal space so imagine you know a uh, tiny one-bedroom apartment today. This was probably even smaller. Probably just enough place for a, a small bed and uh, maybe a little dresser to put clothes in, but extremely small. Because in this time, again, the king would probably have uh, a whole slew of uh, wives and concubines. And I think we said that too last week, that uh, this particular king was not... Uh, any different where he has many wives, many concubines. So uh, verse 10, the commanded her, Mordecai demanded uh, secrecy regarding Esther's nationality, lest she jeopardizes her chances for advancement. Esther's willingness to hide her Judean heritage likely resulted in some religious or cultural compromises. Uh, for instance, giving up uh, Sabbath day observation uh, or dietary laws or anything like that it's not common in this period of time that a, a Jewish person would give up uh, such obedience, if you would, to the law, because that's where they found uh, their worth essentially was in their uh, ability to keep the law. But in this particular case, in order for Esther to actually move forward, she probably had to conceal and jeopardize on some of her convictions uh, sadly enough, this is probably far more common in Christians today, uh, and, and for far less dignified reasons that we are jeopardizing our beliefs and our stances on certain issues. So in verse 11, Mordecai observed Esther's progress from a distance, probably through the columned courtyards. Uh, he may have had some minor governmental position here. 
Uh, verse 12, the regulations for women process provided opportunities for training in uh, aristocratic etiquette. This six months, the regimen of skin lightening and skin softening treatments required a significant amount of time. Uh, myrrh was often used as an associated with sexual stimulations. Uh, that is notated actually throughout the Old Testament here, uh, preferably noting Psalm 45 and uh, Proverbs 7. And what is this? Uh, the Song of Solomon. Yes, that's where we were just a few weeks ago. Chapter 1 and, and again in chapter 5. I, I had to hover my mouse over that note because <laughs> it just says SG and I'm like, I was thinking of a different book for whatever reason. Uh, verse 13, whatever uh, denotes to this perfume or jewelry or luxurious garment uh, likely to please the king and to provoke erotic feelings. Again, this language is not as uh, bold, if you would, uh, as the Song of Solomon was, but there is instances here that we uh, should be paying attention to. Uh, verse 14, only one night with the king was come in practice, unless the girls pleased him and the king asked her back. In the tale of a thousand and one nights, the king took young girls each night unto, uh, until the charming Shahrazad captivated him with her stories. This is a far cry from God's intentions for marriage. Concubines, uh, having slept with the king these girls acquired a new status as a sexual partner who received protection and provision but had no rights to inheritance as a wife unfortunately most women would leave uh, this second home would never leave this second home uh, they would be uh, essentially trapped in their service to the king uh, until they were no longer desired by the king due to old age or some other issue maybe peaking up or possibly the king's death and a new king comes into place. You know, that uh, happened pretty frequently. So uh, verse 15, this uh, Abihail means uh, my father is mighty. Uh, Esther's full family name was given when her, uh, when her turn came to go to the king. Uh, she asked for nothing except uh, the, uh, except what Haggy had advised, no one would be familiar with the king's most intimate preferences than uh, Haggy. Uh, the 10th month, sometime in December or January, the 7th year, puts us around 749, uh, 479 and 478 B.C., uh, four years after uh, Vachetti's rejection. So there's a time period between chapter 1 and chapter 2, by the way. Verse 17, uh, loved Hebrew word signifies a spectrum of emotions from casual affection to overwhelming devotion, including sexual desire. And uh, set their royal crown on her head. Apparently, uh, Assasarius stopped his search for a queen with the appearance of Esther. And verse 18, fourth uh, of ten, the great feast, the fourth of ten banquets reported in uh and Esther, the remission of taxes, uh, just simply means uh, caused arrest, understood here as canceling even some taxes. Uh, in chapter 10, 1, Ahasuerus imposed tax on the land. Some understood the king's action to mean something like a proclaimed uh, holiday. So here's our summary for verses 1 through 18. After careful preparation... Uh, beautiful Esther meets Assasarius, gains his favor, becomes queen of Persia. 
At this point, her future looks bright, but perilous times are coming for her and her people. In all things, God is silently at work directing affairs, and at the most crucial moment, Esther would be in a position to play a decisive role in delivering Israel. God moves in a mysterious way, and his wonders uh, to perform. So that is the framework of these first 18 verses. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, Esther is going to be facing some challenging times and she is going to have to uh, work through that. And even though we know that God is not mentioned explicitly in this text, we see that he is working for the better of his people. Uh, So that is kind of the framework that we get in those first 18 verses. Uh, As we move on to verse 19, virgins were gathered together. We're not told why this second group of virgins is gathered. Perhaps Ossesarius desired more concubines uh, who would both serve his personal interests and the ladies in waiting for the new queen. Uh, The king's gate is the main, uh, the city's main gate was a place for business as well as gossip and rumors. Mordecai's presence here allowed him to contact with uh, many city officials of the, uh, the area and the realm and indicate his status as a respected uh, citizen. Uh, that was for Mordecai's presence here, allowed him to contact those individuals. Uh, verse 21, guarded the threshold. Guardians of the king's private chamber had easily uh, access to Asasarius' in his most vulnerable moments. Uh, they became angry and laid hands on him and Intrigue and assassination plots against the rulers were very common in Persian history. Esther would have uh, been at been at risk here if this plot had been carried out. In 465 BC, uh, Assasarius was in fact assassinated by men who guarded his royal entryway. Uh, verse 22, Esther uh, referred to her royal title for the first time, reported. Uh, the conspiracy to her husband, giving credit to Mordecai for providing the information. Persian kings were renowned for rewarding benefactors. In verse 23, uh, hanged at the gallows refers not to the strangulation by a rope, but probably impalement on a sharp stake or slow death by starvation. The Persian mode for execution uh, from which the Romans got the idea of uh, crucifixion. And the Chronicles, the uh, official records of the Persian government here later, uh, where later Assasarius read of what Mordecai had done as chapter 6, verse 1 points us to. So uh, summarizing these handful of verses here, 19 through 23, Mordecai's uh, discovery of a plot against the king means that the king owes him a favor. And at this crucial time in the future, uh, when the fate of many Judeans will hang in the balance, Mordecai's good deed will be their saving, uh, will have saving consequences for them. Events uh, that seem unconnected together in God's plan to, uh, are starting to come together uh, for God and his people. So this framework here is what we get uh, in the back half of the um, chapter two is a plot is spoiled to assassinate the king. Interestingly enough, right? Uh, again, common things that happened, uh, throughout all the world's history. Um, it was 
uh, really, I would venture to say up until the last probably couple hundred years, it was pretty much a bloodshed if you were um, on the throne of ruling over a nation. You were under constant threat and uh, you had to be very careful who you, you know, uh, invested knowledge into. So, so it's not uncommon that uh, assassination plots would be uh, discovered or carried out and various rulers would be uh, removed from power. It still happens today, but not quite as common as it did, you know, years back. So that's chapter two in a nutshell. Uh, again, these are just some basic notes on these verses um, that uh, help us to try and understand what some of these phrases from the verses are uh, trying to call to us. Because if we were to just read this, we may not tr- get some of the fluffy context that we would otherwise get uh, from some study Bibles. So. I'm going to leave it at that. It's a shorter episode for this week. And I thank you, Chris, for reading. Uh, Guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. And uh, I will see you back. Hopefully, we'll do chapters three and four. And uh, we'll see how that plays out for us. So, guys, until next week, God bless. Make sure you check uh, your podcast download list for Sunday morning or afternoon or whenever you want to. There will be a new Undying Light Reformation Day special Uh, episode dropping so some good chuckles some good information Uh, it was a great time recording with those guys i absolutely loved it and i'm so blessed to call them brothers in christ so that is all i got for you i hope you are enjoying the series uh i'm gonna i had to throw the smooth jazz voice on tonight because my kids are asleep it's late at night my wife's trying to get to sleep it's been uh crazy here in the house with neither one of the kids wanting to sleep. Uh, so I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. And uh, I'm going to try and provide a little bit more excitement into chapter three and, and onward because I, I just don't want this to be dry. You know, this is, these are, these are, like I said, books that you won't hear preached often. And there's reasons why it's just this is a historical narrative book it talks about the history of one particular frame of time and uh, it's detailed but it's just a very small fragment of history for israel that doesn't really get talked about because it doesn't explicitly mention what god is doing over this but we will see god working in this and so uh, next week, I promise to bring a little bit more charismaticness to the mic, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this uh, series. If you have any feedback, feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, please make sure you share this podcast, leave us reviews, and uh, that's it for me. Until next week, guys, God bless. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.